Welcome to the St. Barnabas Pocket Sermon Podcast. The sermon you're about to listen to is by the Reverend Karen Haig from the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus and his disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to the deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighborhood towns so that we may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went through Galilee proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I've been working on our parochial report. It is not the stuff of scintillating sermons. It's just a report we have to send to the diocese every year, and it tells our story in numbers. Budget numbers, baptism numbers, burial numbers, average Sunday attendance numbers. Some of these numbers were hard to come up with this year. How many people do attend our services on Sundays? If there are 150 Facebook views, does that mean 100 or 300 or 207? Well, we did our best, and because the story of 2020 can't be told in numbers, I don't actually think the story of our congregation's life can ever be told in numbers, But because 2020 was what it was, there were new questions for the report this year. What were the primary opportunities, innovations, and challenges in conducting worship during the pandemic? What did you learn? What are the primary opportunities and challenges your church is facing as it plans for the future? And what three things have changed the most in how the church conducts its ministry. As I pondered that third question, what three things have changed the most in how the church conducts its ministry, 
Peter's mother-in-law came to mind. The story about Simon Peter's sick mother-in-law, the story of every other sick person in town, the story of Jesus going away to pray and being overwhelmed by everybody who needed something from him, is obviously a story about the riches of God's compassionate heart, a story about the lengths God will go to in order to keep us close, and a story about the essential na nature of making quiet space to come close to God so that God can come close to us. What does that have to do with the parochial report, you ask? Vocation. This is also a story about vocation, about a woman lying near dead and being raised from near death so that she could live out her vocation. While it's surely an awe-inspiring story, it irritates some people. To begin with, this mother-in-law surely has a name, but we don't hear her name. We do know the names of all the men in the room. Then add to that the fact that she was healed, apparently, so that she could stand up and wait on all the men in the room. On the face of it, that doesn't look so good. But really, that's only on the face of it. In the ancient world, women identified themselves by their relationships. And I actually think that's a pretty wonderful way of identifying ourselves. Beloved daughter of God, mother, sister, spouse, Grammy. And for a widowed woman, being able to offer hospitality to people who came into her home was a great gift. When Simon Peter's mother-in-law once again could care for the ones in her care, her life was made new. She was restored and renewed. She was healed so she could return to her vocation of service which is, as it turns out, Jesus' definition of discipleship. I came not to be served, he said, but to serve. Like all of us, Simon Peter's mother-in-law wanted to be of use. It's a very hard thing to be incapacitated and not to feel useful. But Jesus didn't heal that mother-in-law so she could wait on them. He healed her because he is a healer. And when he did that, he restored her to her rightful place in the world. That's the kind of healing Jesus always did. It's what he does today. He heals us by restoring us to right relationship with God, with each other, and with ourselves. We make a mistake when we think healing is about perfect physical health. For Jesus, healing is always about restoring us to right relationship. When Jesus healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law, she was able once again 
to live into her vocation as a servant, a disciple, doing what she was called to do. Her life was a life of discipleship, and when she was restored, she could take up her vocation of service once again. That's what I was thinking about when I was working on the parochial report. We are a congregation that takes its discipleship, its vocation of service, very much to heart. And for nearly a year, we have been unable to serve in some of the ways we feel called to. We haven't been able to offer the ministry of hospitality and welcome we hold so dear in the ways we're accustomed to doing that. No greeters at the door, no new people to welcome, no taking communion into people's homes, no visiting our elders, no hosting supper clubs, no beautiful coffee hours, no, no, no. Yet our commitment to service is so strong that even in this pandemic, we carry on in our vocation of service, deepening our relationships when foregoing them might have been easier. We write cards, send texts, make phone calls, show up for coffee hour, check in on each other, and pray for one another and the world. Our commitment to service is so strong that we've increased our giving to people in need and to many organizations who serve them. Our commitment to service is so strong that we continue to serve in our St. Barnabas community and in our wider community too. Not in the ways we used to, but in all the ways we can. And as wonderful as that is, we know it can feel overwhelming. Jesus knows about that too. He's only in his second day of doing his work in the world and already it looks overwhelming with the entire town outside the door. It didn't seem so bad at first. Last Sunday, he seemed to cast out that unclean spirit in the synagogue without much effort. And today, he approaches the bedside of a near-dead woman, takes her hand, and practically resurrects her. The way Mark tells it, it sounds like a walk in the park. But when Simon Peter brought Jesus home with him to heal his mother-in-law, we're told the whole town gathered outside the house, bringing all of their sick to be healed. Can you imagine it? How on earth was he supposed to heal all those people? How was he to restore all of them to right relationships? Well, it had a lot to do with being in right relationship with the Father. The scripture tells us how he did it. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And there he prayed. And in his prayer, he received all that he needed to do his work in the world. 
Jesus always drew his power from prayer, and his example of retreating to a quiet place is one we need to pay attention to. Whether it's because everyone is clamoring for us. I sent you an email two days ago, and I haven't heard back from you. Did you get my message? Are you sure you can't sneak into the hospital? The toilet's clogged up. There's a woman out there who needs something to eat and a man outside who's making weird noises and scaring people. Why is that dog in here? Can you write me a check? I need to meet with you. What are you doing in here? I had this room booked. I always have this room booked on Monday. Shall we call the tree experts? I can't get a decent Wi-Fi signal. Hey, you didn't call me back. Who didn't wipe down the counters? The copier's jammed. We're out of hand sanitizer. Can you convert this to a Word document? There are 23 hang-up voicemail messages on my phone. What do you mean you're changing that? You want to do what? Yes. Most of us have had some experience of feeling like there's no end to the need all around us. And those are just the silly examples. Every day there are pleas for us to help with really, really important problems. Starving children, wounded veterans, racial reconciliation groups, politicians promising a better world. So whether it's because everyone is clamoring for us or simply because we need to be with God, Retreating to the quiet is essential. And it is particularly essential in the midst of a pandemic. You may not think being alone is so great these days. We spend an awful lot of time alone, in isolation, away from the ones we love. But retreating to the quiet to be alone with God really is essential. Jesus knew that, and I think he worked very hard to show us that, too. It is essential that we continue to do the good work we're called to do, and it is also essential to rest. We get tired. Just getting through the days these days is difficult. Ministry is a lot of work. And we need to remember that when we talk about Jesus as the pattern for our lives, it isn't only the compassion, serving and loving and healing the whole town that he patterns for us. He also went away to rest and to pray, away from all the distractions of the world. Like Jesus, we need to recognize our deep need to rest in God, to refresh and renew our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. The source of our renewal, just like Jesus, is our relationship with God. And just like Jesus, we need to rest and to pray. As disciples, we are all called to serve, and most of us are happiest and most fulfilled when we experience our lives as purposeful, when we know that we are of use, 
when we find our own particular ways to make a difference in each other's lives and in the world. That may seem harder these days, but if we're receptive to God's creative Holy Spirit, we will continue to find our way. God raises us up so that we can love and serve and be God's presence in the world. Like Jesus, we need to nurture our relationship with God, to go away to pray, to make a quiet space so we can hear the still small voice that is always calling to us. So then, let us pray. Loving God, help us to pray as our first work, our unremitting work, our highest and dearest work as the work we do for you and by you and with you and in you. Infuse and influence our prayer with your blessed spirit, that it not be unwilling nor unworthy nor in vain, that it not be occupied with our own concerns nor dwell in the interests dear to ourselves. Gracious God, let our prayer seek your purposes, your glory only. May it be holy and more holy, offered to you, Holy One, and ever and all through your beloved Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.